Welcome to Cultural Connections Lab. I'm your host, Kelly Forbes. We are here to talk with educational professionals around the world to impact and influence the education system as we focus on cultural connections and the education of multilingual, diverse students. We're excited to have you join us today, and we sincerely hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. My name is Kelly Forbes, and I am excited to be here for the very first podcast episode of Cultural Connections Lab. I am here with Mike Overholt, our producer, and also our very first guest with Dr. Jeffrey Taylor Tribble. He is the current president of EduSkills. It's a locally based educational software service provider that helps schools increase funding, simplify compliance, and support academic achievement for bilingual and emergent bilingual students. Dr. Tribble is also a former Spanish and ESL, ELL educator and administrator with extensive travel and volunteer experience around the globe. In 2014, he received his Doctor of Philosophy in Educational Leadership and Policy Studies from the University of Oklahoma. He also holds a Master's of Education in Bilingual Education, as well as a Master's of Education in Educational Administration from the University of Central Oklahoma, and currently works as an adjunct no, it does not currently work anymore <laughs> as an adjunct professor, but did work as an adjunct professor at the University of Central Oklahoma he does work, as well. Just not as an adjunct professor currently. A little bit. Um, his research, though, was focused around uh, four topics, Native American language revitalization, bilingual education, language policy and planning, student assessment and evaluation, as well as ethics and educational administration. It is truly an honor to be with a good, dear friend and colleague of mine. So please welcome Dr. Taylor Tribble. Thank you so much for having me here. <laughs> Thank Excited you for to being be with here. Yes. Yeah, good times. It's really kind of unreal to be in this uh, space with you after knowing you. I was thinking about it this morning. I've known you for 15 years. That's and wild. It's really, really wild. Years. Uh, just considering how how we got to know each other in the field of bilingual education, helping me get into this field of education whenever that wasn't my background. As people that do know me, I wanted to be a dancing bilingual veterinarian. Do not, you still are. Who still, doesn't? <laughs> Who doesn't? That's the best question. I just quickly realized that I loved animals and not surgery on animals. So I needed to, so to you're, focus you're, on. You're not cutting up your chihuahuas at home? Definitely not. We are. <laughs> that is good to know. <laughs> Um, but anyhow, uh, it's just really been exciting to reflect back upon whenever I first met you and what my own growth um, in culture and understanding about cultural proficiency, uh, my current um, focus right now in my life in the, in the field of education. But then knowing everything that you've done through um, your leadership and education, as well as through edge skills and the impact that you are making in our um, global community and our global society. So tell us a little bit just about, you know, introduce yourself, who you are a little bit and why, why are you such a big deal in this realm of cultural connections, which you are. And I would not say I'm a big deal, small deal, but I've just been blessed with many, it's a matter of perspective. Uh, yeah, yeah. Many amazing opportunities, uh, connected with many, uh, wonderful people like yourself. Um, and, you know, I'm, I am many things to many people. 
I'm uh, as my, that sounds deep. Yes, as my my wife likes to say, you know, every few months I kind of take on a new portion of uh, of me. And right now, I think I'm probably at uh, Taylor 16.3. Um, <laughs> That's some good versioning control, by the way. Yeah. I'm just yes. at Kelly 2.0. So. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, over time, I guess I just really uh, I love diversity of thoughts and um, uh, learn a lot from different types of people, but. Um, foundational to my background and experience and um, passion for supporting people of many cultures and languages and religions is my background with travel. Um, out of high school, I had the fortunate opportunity to go live with my uncle in Sweden, 18 years old, didn't know what, what the heck I wanted to do when I grew up, and I'm still not sure that I do know. Um, but my uncle lived in Sweden after he played professional basketball there. And um, I didn't know, you know, if I wanted to go to college right away. And so my mom, I think, uh, regretted making this recommendation, but said, hey, you should go live with your uncle in Sweden. And I thought, that sounds like a heck of a yeah. yeah. Let's and roll. 18-year-old. <laughs> My uncle had a coffee shop in this, I mean, it was just pristine, beautiful place, a uh, small town in Sweden and basically in the forest, he had remodeled a, um, a, a, a farmhouse, a barn basically, and turned it into a coffee shop. And so had the opportunity at 18 to go work for him in a coffee shop and he let me work as much, as little as I wanted, um, make, you know, make a little bit of money. I'd work about 12 hours a day for two weeks, save up some money and then travel around Europe. And so coming from the background that I came from, uh, being brought up in a fairly conservative community, just like going outside and uh, traveling around Europe and seeing a different way of living uh, just had a huge impact on me and uh, gave me a great excitement, appreciation for other languages and cultures and religions. And just knew pretty quickly that I wanted to continue exploring. I knew at some point I wanted to get my degree, but I was in no hurry to do it. And so I would um, thumb through Lonely Planet travel guides. At the time, there was no uh, real internet to speak of, so you couldn't search information. I would go to the, the, the libraries or just buy Lonely, Tra Lonely Planet travel guides and look in the back, they'd always have a section on volunteering and I would find places to go volunteer um, and started to become real interested in developing nations, developing worlds, uh, kind of wanted to experience something a little unique. I've always had a passion for anthropology and uh, cultures outside of uh, the United States or outside of Western world. Um, just really became more interested in experiencing something completely unique to what we, uh, the day-to-day -day life that we live. And so had the opportunity to volunteer, work, travel in over 20 countries outside the United States from the age of 18 to 25. I think the uh, kind of most life-changing experience for me was living six months in India. Um, and then, but beyond that, I hitchhiked all the way from here to uh, Panama and back and was treated so well by so That's many people. Nuts. Yes. Um, if you don't know me, I am a little bit nuts. <laughs> um, now I have family and kids, and so that's uh, tempered my, um, my, my risk-taking side. But 
it still exists and um you know make a long story short obviously happy to kind of dig into some of those experiences that i had traveling um but those experiences people treated me so well my family my mom in particular was so nervous about all the travel that i was doing but i was just feel like um, protected there was nothing bad weird anything like that that happened all through my travels and i was not staying in luxurious places i was finding the cheapest place to stay places that you would think that you might uh, have a bad experience uh, but people just treated me so well you know like i said from all different languages religions and that those experiences kind of built in me this excitement and passion for helping people that come to the united states that are trying to make a better life for themselves and so that's kind of where my journey towards um, passion and appreciation for people of other languages and cultures came from. It was all through experience and just the kindness and generosity from people of all languages and religions. You literally have a background that I am so envious of to be able to travel to so many different countries. I believe that it is so important for people to have those experiences because they're life changing for us. And it sounds like your uncle is really the root cause of you being exposed to opportunity to learn about other people. How did that really impact you, though, as a person? Um, well, I think I've alluded to it a little bit that um, it, it is true. My uncle was kind of, um, as I said, being brought up in a more conservative community. I understand that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was... Um, he, he was kind of on the outside and I, over time, became one person in my family uh, that I felt like kind of could relate to me very well. He, he also, like I do, appreciated my, my upbringing and uh, you know, the religion I was taught, um, but he also experienced other cultures. And so as I started to explore and um, experiment with other thoughts, um, he was always there and supportive of me. Um, so having someone in my family that supported me when I'd come back from travel, oftentimes I'd get a lot of strange looks, you know, I mean, um, you, sh you wouldn't recognize me, you know, talking about Taylor, but what did I say? 16.3 right now we're, we're talking, uh, Taylor, uh, that was Taylor 2.0. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe more like 6.2, you know, I don't know, but long beard, long hair, you know, traveling through Central America, people would call me Jesus. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I looked like I watched straight out of one of those pictures, you know, the Listen, if, if you could see him now though, his short hair, collared shirt, totally professional. Yeah. There's yeah. no long hair. No, you would never guess. <laughs> never. So, um, but I think one thing to point out, you were talking about how, in, uh, how life-changing travel is. Um, I think a lot of people assume that there's this cost barrier and I know, you know, there are definitely safety concerns to think about, but it does not have to be, you know, you don't have to have tens of thousands of dollars to be able to do what I did. Um, you know, it was in 90, eight that uh i was traveling in india for six months and i spent not including a plane ticket twelve hundred dollars for six months wow. traveling through central america seventeen hundred dollars 
And again, I understand most, most people aren't going to be want to hitchh- be hitchhiking like I was doing. Um, but there, like I spent a month in Guatemala. Uh, I lived with a family while in Guatemala for a month. They had like a family stay. I would, I signed up. They have programs like this all throughout Central America. Went over a summer stayed for a month with a family and had Spanish language instruction five days a week for half a day and then would be able to do kind of travel experiences outside um, outside of that and that was like really where I picked up a lot of Spanish very quickly um, and that was 400 bucks for a month and again I haven't looked at, to see how much it costs now but I, my point that I think I want to make is I agree with you, Kelly, that travel is really influential and life-changing and that more people should take the opportunity to do it. And oftentimes people think they can't because it costs too much. And my point is that it does not have to we're cost. Not, yeah, we're not talking about the all-inclusive resort travel. No, <laughs> we're talking exactly. about traveling and going and being This is not part. the White Lotus waiting to happen. Right. <laughs> we're talking about being part of a community, part of a culture, learning from them, right? And like that's what gets them so excited. Because yep. we bring all that back here. So how does that impact what we do in our lives? And so from my experience is though, whenever I get to leave the border of, of my country and go experience the lives of other people and be in their homes and sit at their table and eat their food and learn their language. And, and it just makes me understand more about my own culture. And I appreciate more of who I am as a person, as an open gay man in a very conservative state here in Oklahoma. And through my experiences through the field of bilingual education and helping multicultural diverse backgrounds of many of our students are they're not helping the backgrounds but helping um, and serving students and educators that have multicultural diverse backgrounds it's just really impacted me to understand and want to understand more about who i am and where am i in this continuum of being culturally proficient of being an ally, not just an advocate of having intercultural connectivity and things like that. But how has learning about all these other cultures really made you learn more about who you are in your own culture and from where you come and your ancestors originate? That's a great question. Um, I think that um, it's only fairly recently that I've, I've kind of started to dig in a little bit more to my background. I think one of the things that we lose sight of when trying to learn about other cultures is the fact that we have our own, we have our own culture and background. And I think we as white males, um, Americans sometimes think that, or it's like we, we forget about this fact that we do have our own culture and um, we kind of think of culture as something outside of us that comes from other countries, similar to, I think what sometimes think people think about, um, their accent, like they all, people generally think they don't have an accent. Other people have an accent. Um, you know, being in Oklahoma, we have. I ain't got no accent. No, no, why? Huh? <laughs> Those people up in north, northeast, they're the ones that have an accent. They crazy. Yeah. So, um, I think that we forget too that it's similar how we we forget that we have an accent. We forget we have our own culture. And it is important to understand that background, who you are, where you came from. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've over the past few years kind of started to dig into that a little bit more. 
Um, you know, my being uh, a white male definitely have strong dominant European, uh, uh, Western European background. Um, uh, appears that last name came from um, uh, Normandy, France, traced back to Sweden as well. So I've got a lot of the what a lot of Americans have uh, background from um, Western Europe, France. Uh, also a lot of Scottish, uh, British. Mine's uh, German. I have some German too. Yeah. So. We may have, we might be long lost cousins. <laughs> we might be. <laughs> Strange. You never know. 35 times removed. So, um, but I did have an opportunity to go back um, to where my uncle lived. He actually passed away this year. And so I was able to go back and see the family and visit the place, the coffee shop that I, I worked in. And um, I definitely have taken more time to understand the history of, of, those nations and kind of where my roots are from. Uh, the the first triple is from uh, England that came, we could trace back all the way uh, about 400 years ago that, that uh, the triple name came from, uh, from England over to the United States. And so it's been fun. Um, I definitely, you know, through my research on Native American language in Oklahoma, would get comments from my family like, you know, you're why you're so focused on helping people with other cultures. Why don't, why don't you help people of your own culture or understand your own culture better? And it, it wasn't, um, you know, I, I, I didn't take that so much as uh, it could you obviously could take that as a, a negative challenge to what I was working on, but it did make me think a little bit about, I haven't throughout my life really taken a lot of time to understand my own culture. I've spent more time trying to understand other people's and trying to help them out and not that uh, uh, us majority group white, white males need a whole lot of help here in the United we States. Good. Yeah, we're pretty good. But so it, it again, it didn't make me uh, really, um, think, oh, I need to help the white males out more. But it did make me think I do probably need to spend more time trying to understand my background and culture. But, you know, a lot of what I do is based on the two experiences I had traveling and that has to, to this day uh, kind of really built in me the desire to support people who are coming here from other countries that speak other languages that might feel a little bit lost trying to help them find their way. I think it's really important to to mention about, you know, how vulnerable you have to be to try to learn about your own culture and about the cultures of others, because through that process, you're going to be on this journey and you're going to recognize things that that you do that might be culturally destructive and other things that might be culturally proficient. Right. But whenever we're looking at cultural proficiency and these connections that we have to how it impacts the educational practices and pedagogies and the, the the systems of our students it's just important to recognize that that what you're talking about right now is so real in the aspect of being exposed to other cultures but also understanding that this is a journey that starts from the inside out that we're not able to help support other populations unless we can first understand ourselves and from where we come at that same time but that experience can be um intimidating sometimes you know while i've been doing my research from uh randall lindsey um nuri robbins uh, raymond terrell and dolores lindsey as well i'm um, thinking about cultural proficiency 
it just is incredible to see how leadership really matters and their experiences matter. And so coming back to the the title of this podcast on cultural connections, you've made a huge connection from your background and your past into creating. And I know this isn't about edge skills, but an incredible platform that I personally have been able to work with to help elevate a better and more equitable education, being an advocate and an ally for students and other populations that have linguistic and different diverse needs in their educational settings. And so in your experience and what you've been doing through Edge of Skills, and again, thank you, Edge of Skills, for being a sponsor of this incredible podcast. But just on a personal note for just Dr. Taylor Tribble right here, what have you learned from this experience and how have it, it, being the president and CEO of Edge of Skills that is helping truly so many educators reach students and other families in multiple languages, et cetera? But how have your your past experiences and what you're experiencing now through Edge of Skills, what have you learned through both of those processes and how is that connected to the impact that you're trying to make or wanting to make in the field of education? Yeah, that's a good question. Now we're, we're moving on past, you know, those, lo- those earlier versions of Taylor into more, more <laughs> modern. Yeah, yeah, I think we're getting there. As the story continues, his hair gets shorter and shorter yes, and shorter. That's and true. All and, I sudden. mean, here before long, I'll probably go bald and we'll have a choice. Hey, welcome aboard. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, the transition from, uh, you know, kind of somewhat of a, a vagabond to a professional uh, really did come from that desire to support students that are uh, coming from other countries, trying to make it in this world, trying to fit into the world of the, the United States and our fabric and trying to make it through school. Um, so I started teaching in the early 2000s, uh, taught uh, Spanish and then moved on to teaching uh, multilingual students uh, because I didn't really feel like I was making as big of a difference teaching Spanish as I could teaching students from other countries um, to learn English and obviously promoting uh, the retention of their own language because I'm a huge advocate of bilingual education and believe that's uh, really the the only way to uh, grow students from other countries, but then also for native English speakers to become proficient in other other languages. It's just essential that we really spend more time focusing on that in public education. Uh, but, you know, getting back to that initial portion, moving on to a, a career uh, teaching, I wanted obviously to make an impact and help kids, but there was there were times that my principal would ask me to shut down my pa- classroom to do paperwork, and um, it just infuriated me because I I felt you like don't find paperwork fun. Not particularly. There are there are unique souls who do, um, and it's a little ironic that I've taken on a challenge that means that like every day I'm faced with those those challenges, uh, paperwork and uh, compliance issues that I was faced with as a teacher. Um, but I really, the ultimate goal is to try to take that off the plate of the educator so that they can spend more time with kids. Cause I know as well as you guys do that teachers do not have enough time to build a relationship with kids and the relationship is what really matters. You know, kids can, they, uh, today kids can get information in so many places. Uh, we don't, 
need another place to get information. Kids need relationships and um, that can't happen on a computer. That can't happen um, isolated in a, in a home. Um, obviously it can happen to some extent through Zoom, but uh, especially kids from other countries need those relationships. And so I felt that was so important for me to build relationship with my students when a principal would come in and tell me to shut down my classroom to work on paperwork, it was just infuriating. And that's what spurred the idea of edge skills. Um, I didn't initially at that point, uh, had no intention of being an entrepreneur. In fact, I call myself an accidental entrepreneur. It was not something that I had planned out. Um, but I faced the challenges that many educators face when supporting students learning English. You want to build that relationship to help them learn. And then there's all this paperwork. And at the time I didn't realize how connected it was to funding and compliance. And so I had a lot of learning to do, but at the time I knew that this was taking time away from kids, which is not what teachers should be <laughs> required to do. And so, over time, I just really kind of thought out what a technology tool might be like that could simplify compliance, kind of offload some of that paperwork and compliance data tracking, and then something that could be a tool and a resource as well to provide instructional support to students. And as I moved on through my career um, working as an administrator, uh, I I actually approached the IT team of the school district that I worked for and proposed doing something internally similar to the services that Edge Skills provides today. And I was always turned down. They said, now's not the time. And um, so I just kind of put that on the back shelf. And when I was working on my, my doctoral program at the University of Oklahoma, I felt like um, maybe that was the time that I should start exploring options for software development uh, and how it might be able to help uh, students and, and teachers. Um, and I wanted to do a research assistantship at the University of Oklahoma. And again, I had no intention of being an entrepreneur. I was just thinking about different ways that I could get through the PhD program, put food on the table for my kids. I had two daughters at the time. Now I have four. Um, so he's craving. Yes. So I am. <laughs> we, we already uh, kind of established. Clearly right? established. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, just reinforcing. So, um, you know, I, I was kind of exploring options for putting food on the table to be able to make a little bit of money uh, to support the family. Started doing some training. I actually resigned from the school district that I was working for and um, took on the research assistantship that paid hardly anything and um, was just laying up at night thinking, how could I kind of create a platform? What What's because I had no experience with software development, um, you know, and that's kind of been my history so far really is I, I consider myself sort of the jack, jack of all trades. Like I'm not an expert at anything, to be frank. I, I just know a lot of really good people and I'm willing to take risks and try things and at the time, I uh, found a group outsourced uh, software development here locally uh, 
with a group that I call the yes people. They were software developers that were charged quite a bit per hour. I racked up a lot of debt on a credit card and, um, to be able to create a system that, uh, as you know, Kelly, you were a very first customer and it, it worked, um, the platform worked for you guys and it worked well, but it was a lot of time uh, on the back end. Uh, my wife and I were staying up late at night, like trying to make things work um, on the back end for data, for data to flow correctly. And so I knew uh, I knew that there, there wasn't a way forward with that model. It wasn't sustainable. I couldn't grow uh, the company and have uh, a large group of customers without doing or something we're alive. Yeah. I, my wife and I did not want to be staying up late at night, uh, uh, indefinitely. So, um, you know, uh, very fortunate to, I was just randomly talking to one of my friends from high school that I grew up with. Um, you know, I would go over to his house growing up for Bible study and, uh, like I knew who his family was, but I didn't know what they did and didn't know what his dad did. And so I was just talking about my challenges and he said, you need to talk to my dad. And, um, so I did, uh, went, spoke with his dad. His dad has been in software development for decades, has a lot of experience, been an IT director for a school district before many years ago. And so he really had a lot of background experience that has helped, um, Edge skills grow to the point that it is today. He's been a wonderful mentor as a current business partner. Um, but he uh, kind of helped bring together a team that actually could develop uh, the, the, the software. Uh, and Mike being one of those that he, he uh, my partner has known Mike since uh, he was a baby. A very long time. Since he was born. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. So um, long history there as well. But. He'll tell you plenty of stories about how he held me when I was just born. I'll only if, leave if only you ask. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you have to ask. Yeah, so. Fair enough. You might just put it out there. <laughs> He's a storyteller. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll go with that. <laughs> um, so... Uh, long story short, he, he's the one that really has been able to help me uh, put together a business that actually is sustainable, uh, can grow. And um, we're continuing, uh, you know, our focus is customer support. Uh, we really pride ourselves not in focusing on growth, but focusing on our customers and growing the program to make the program better and to provide more support for for educators. At the beginning, we were very much focused on offloading compliance. Uh, so we were compliance focused. But since then, we've really built out to providing instructional support for teachers and to and now really focusing on ways that we could support families and parents and we're getting creative in that area. And they also obviously need resources. And so we're trying to be innovative and creative about resources that we can provide to educators without um, kind of stepping too far into a super competitive market. You know, the curriculum market is very competitive. Um, we're in a niche space and try to be very intentional about the types of services and support that we provide, but we definitely are really working on building out support for families. Well, your impact has truly been remarkable in the field of education and you're incredibly humble all the time. And I've already talked to you about things like this, but the reality is, is that what you do and, and you allowing yourself to, to really reflect upon your past experiences and then you come and you really have such a big, huge heart 
for for people in general, but especially for underrepresented populations, you know? And so you've allowed a space for educators like myself to be able to leverage the type of equitable practices that we want to see and that we read about in our textbooks that whenever we're in college, you know, we're we're learning about what we're supposed to be doing. And then it's just sometimes ironic that in education, we're all about research, but then whenever we want to implement research, we can't do that. <laughs> and I don't yeah. necessarily understand why, but then there are people like you that come along that took the time that sacrifice time with family, family sacrifice time to help with the business, to create a platform where we can make these connections. And so compliance might be that door that was opened up to allow us to get in there, but then the conversations around that really help elevate the voices of other students, of other families, of other educators. And so I, first of all, just want to come from a place of gratitude and say thank you because you've allowed me to be a better person and a better educator to impact the lives of other people. And I so thank you for for that um yeah it's a blessing to be able to help people um definitely uh, i pretty much i feel like i can't I, i'm grateful that i can be a conduit to those types of things um as i said before i don't i don't feel like i'm an expert per se but i do know a lot of people uh, i i like uh, helping good people connect with good people and i'm happy to continue to do that for you and others to help uh, really emphasize the importance of equity and culture and language uh, a multilingual america which i think is really important i really believe that it is uh, through our diversity that we really find so much more unity you know absolutely um, but man, it's 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 just really exciting to be thinking about everything that you've done and the big impact that you've made in the state of Oklahoma and across the entire nation um, and obviously 20 plus different countries at the same time. But truly, the work that you do has just changed the whole conversation in other districts where I've been able to work. And so the work that everything that was happening before until now was all happening for you and not to you because it's now created a whole path for other people to do incredible things that were not even accessible before. And so this is why I really wanted to be able to talk with you on this very first podcast session is to say thank you to Edge of Skills and thank you to you, but you've changed my life. And I know that therefore you've changed the lives of other people. And if that's what we're meant to do on this great earth is to leave a legacy, well then you're definitely an exemplary um, model for that. Thank you. Very kind statements. <laughs> it's all true. I don't I, I don't even know how to I ain't making it up. <laughs> um, but with that, so like my kind of final wrap-up question with this is based on everything that we've talked about right now, and we're able to be in this incredible space. And again, thank you to the to our sponsor, Edge of Skills, for this. But we're able to have um, these conversations. We're gonna have more conversations, many more people that we're gonna interview from very, very different um, backgrounds. And we're going to learn from all of them. But I just want to hear from you. What is your hope and what is your dream for this podcast? This is really a special moment, I feel like, in um, in my personal journey and my professional journey. And then as well with both of you here today um, with, with Mike and, and with Taylor. But truly, what what is your dream for this? What's your hope? Reaching for the stars. Like, what's the biggest hope that you have for this podcast? Yeah. Um... I hope to inspire others to get out there and to um, really start to understand kind of what we started out at the beginning discussing, um, not only their own backgrounds, but the backgrounds of other and being, being vulnerable and willing to listen to people that have different views uh, that might be from other countries that speak other languages. Um, Unfortunately, in this country, we've uh, created a monolingual, mono, monocultural society. 
and uh, too often closes our close ourselves off to um, things that could really benefit us and benefit the nation as well. Um, again, I, I'm just really believe firmly in the importance of diversity of thought um, and that that makes us better, not worse um, you know, from all spectrums, right, left, uh, in the middle. And so I'm hoping that this podcast kind of is able to highlight those uh, multiple views, not just the views that we might have, but views all across the spectrum from multiple, multiple cultures, religions, language, and a space where we can learn from each other and learn to respect one another um, for our differences and um, try to grow together. Um, so that's kind of the general goal and hope is hope that we're, we'll, we'll be able to um, kind of bring a voice and opportunity for people to uh, kind of share their experience and background um, in a way that is, is broadcast, can be broadcast all over instead of just a conversation at a coffee shop like other people are able to hear this um, all across the world um, and connect each other. You know, I love connecting good people to good people, as I said. And I think through this experience, we're going to be able to get the word out in ways that we never have before and make a difference in communities that uh, we would not even think possible today. Um, so that's the real goal is just, um, you know, in the name, cultural connections, trying to bring cultures together to learn from one another uh, so that um, we can advance society and move forward together, not only in the education space, but uh, just day-to-day -day life in general, just uh, help bring an appreciation for language and culture uh, and diversity in, in, in the United States and across the globe. I'm really excited about this because I cannot wait until we interview some people and have some really like pinpointed hard conversations. I can't wait to be pushed myself, you know, out, out of my thinking and and just always coming back and remembering that we're all on this journey. We're all just trying to to be the best that we can be. And um, and if you're not, well, well, I'll tell you, that was try harder. So, <laughs> but um, but truly, this, yeah, this is a journey. respect with for one another. Yeah, truly. And whenever uh, we've lost that respect, I feel like a lot in this country, like we're pitting one thought against another and we're not learning from each other. So. Yeah, I think a lot of that rhetoric gets in the way of, um, of empathy, of compassion and of understanding. And I appreciate that you said respect whenever I first got into the field of education. I taught a classroom that represented seven countries and eight different languages, and I only spoke English and Spanish, and so I could communicate to some of the students through the mode of Spanish, but the other students I couldn't, so you had to find many other ways uh, through, you know, translation, family pictures, gestures, you know, whatever it took to communicate with them. But with that, though, we had, with the seven different countries, a lot of different religious backgrounds as well. And so we just had one, uh, one expectation and our number one rule was just respect. And we knew if we could just respect each other, everything else would fall into place. And so whenever I saw that happen with uh, 27 middle school students, sixth through eighth grade, then to me, that means there's no excuse for adults to be able to do Absolutely. the exact same thing. <laughs> so take it from the kids, right? Any last Amen. closing thoughts that you all have for today? No, I think uh, if you've made it this far listening, thank you. Yeah, 
thank you guys. Thank you, everybody out there. Thank you, Kelly, for everything you do and for your commitment to uh, uh, being the host of the podcast. I'm really excited about what's coming uh, over the next few months and upcoming years. This is truly um, a huge honor. Thank you to everyone who is watching. Thank you to our guest today, Dr. Jeffrey Taylor Triple, and we appreciate you so much. Kelly Forbes here signing out, and we appreciate you connected to you. Thank, Thank you so much for the opportunity.